go. Welcome back, my friends, to the flicks of the week that never end. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. I am Mr. Joseph Spiegel. Mike Sutherland. I'm sure you're sick of hearing our voices by now. No, fuck that, man. You love it. We love it. It's vibrating right into your cerebellum. (laughs) (laughs) Into the the subcockles. All right. So this week for my flick of the week, it is going to be the Netflix original mockumentary, American Vandal. Mine's going to be Raiders of the Lost Ark, because I have been watching that apparently nonstop for the past couple of days. Come, come, come. <laughs> I love that part. Come. All right. Anyway, um, focus, Joe Spiegel. No, I was doing the any hand wave when, right. he got, when he got punched in the face while they were you know, near the plane. All right. And the big German dude, as you were saying, come, come. He punches him, and, yeah. and his legs wobble. Yeah. In that scene, anyways. <laughs> He he waved him. He was like, "Oh, give me a second. Yeah, it's like, it's like the etiquette of a fight. Yeah, give me a second. Yeah. But he he didn't give him a second. Get him. All right. <laughs> Actually, uh, oh, I was just gonna go into it, but it's not necessary. Should I do a summary before we do? The no. Trailer? Should really do the trailer first, huh? Yes. Okay. That's, don't you don't you know how radio production works? Tease them, please them. Tease them, please them. Okay. It's just not the way I thought things were gonna go. I was going to graduate high school, get my degree in like engineering. I know I didn't do it. It is a shocking scene for Hanover High teachers today. The vandal spray painted obscene images on 27 cars. Oh my God. I'll never understand what's so amusing about penises. Everyone thinks I did it. Everyone. Dylan definitely did it. Of course he did it. He's like a known dick drawer. Another day, another day. <laughs> the evidence, it's overwhelming. I spoke to expel Dylan Maxwell for vandalizing the vehicles. My name is Peter Maldonado, and I believe there are legitimate arguments for Dylan's innocence. Ball hairs. The ball hairs. They're different. It's just one piece to the puzzle. This is going to take way more than just ball hairs. They say he deleted the security footage. There's no way. He is the stupidest kid I've ever met. <laughs> He's trying to convince you some sort of conspiracy. There just isn't one. Oh my god! Everyone got secrets. The administration has something to hide. This isn't about dicks. This is about the justice system. You didn't stand a chance. They got the wrong guy. I mean, there's still someone out there. (laughs) That's fucking great. Who drew the dicks? It was, what was it? Something corruption and dicks? (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, I, that, I was not expecting that. I was not expecting this. Oh I was. Ex- you said mockumentary. Yeah. Um, I stumbled across this show. Here you go. So, All you right. can... so uh, from co-creators Tony Ascenda from Pillow Talking and Dan Peralt from Honest Trailers, and showrunner Dan Lagana, uh, who played uh, Zach Stone, or is gonna yeah Zach Stone is gonna be famous. American Vandal is a half-hour true crime satire that explores the aftermath. Aftermath of a costly high school prank that left 27 faculty cars vandalized with phallic images. Over the course of the eight-episode season, an aspiring sophomore documentarian investigates the controversial and potentially unjust expulsion of troubled senior and known dick drawer Dylan Maxwell. Not unlike its now iconic true crime predecessors, the addictive American vandal will leave one question on everyone's mind until the very end. Who drew the dicks? Bum, bum, bum. What a great premise. <laughs> this time on Unsolved Mysteries. So, <laughs> I stumbled across these uh, these dicks uh, when I was perusing uh, Netflix last week. And <laughs> I, I think the trailer just popped. It was like, it was just sitting on that show for a second. And all of a sudden, the trailer popped up for it. And it, it is so well done as a documentary that... You think that this is fucking serious. Like, at first, I actually questioned if this was, like, just a joke or not because of how realistic they play it all off. And that's what's really 
funny about this whole thing is that it's it is a mockumentary. It's not real at all, but everybody sells it. No, there, I don't think there's one person in this entire eight part series that overacts that that goes into the realm of camp or anything. It is so well fucking done that it, it's intriguing. It, it's clever. It, um, all the all the people that it like you know the the main characters that question because there's two guys right there's two kids that are in the that help with the uh, they work in the art department or whatever and they have the camera <laughs> all right you got AV uh, club or whatever yeah, you got uh, you got Peter Maldonado who's also the one that n- pretty much narrates the majority of the series and then his friend Sam Eklund and they are the, like the producers and, and cameramen of the of the American Vandal. And the whole thing's about Dylan Maxwell because Dylan Maxwell is known for he's the pothead stoner guy. He's got his own friends that he's always skipping school with. They're always getting high and shit, and they do stupid things. Uh, one of the stupid things they do is make YouTube videos where there's one called Fart Baby, and what you, they do is they hide cameras in the park, and then they run up on on mothers with their babies and just and they distract the mom for a second and then fart on the baby That's and then run away. The way that it's done is so fucking stupid on the on the show that it's fucking hilarious. I, it's I not funny. And it's it's all set up. I don't I don't find there are certain things that there are certain things that are acceptable. But when you do stupid shit like that because you think it's funny, it's just like the this Logan kid, right? Who went into the suicide forest mm-hmm. and started making fun of a dead body. Yeah. There there are just there are certain things it's a no no and and fart baby is it's it's not it's funny sounding it is but it, it, it's not it's not funny it, it it's funny when you're watching it because it sh- it plays into the what kind of character um Dylan Maxwell is and and he's like oh this is in the movie yeah oh it's in okay it's yeah it's so Dylan Maxwell okay. when he hangs out with all the stoner friends they make YouTube videos all right and one of them's called I thought you I wasn't paying attention that's my fault okay so yeah yeah it's not real but it's you know it's part of the part of the show sorry so and it's it goes into but showing see, it, yeah. it goes into showing his character like he how he's just a big prankster and he's a fucking idiot and right and so and anyway all evidence leads towards him about about you know all coincidental because there's no like hands-on proof that he did this but right everyone at that school everyone even his fucking like everybody they all think he did it like before even it's like the boy who cried wolf kind of thing or something right it's all dylan maxwell and so these two documentarians especially uh um peter he's the one that you know has is doing all the investigating and he keeps running into all these walls. You know, either people don't want to talk or they lie and exaggerate. Because, like, there's this one guy, um, Alex Tromboli, who... Tromboli? Yeah, Tromboli. Um, and uh, he he exaggerates everything. And, so, you know, like, he makes up shit just to get, like, attention. Like, uh, oh, he drank 11 beers at that party when he only drank, like, the same beer all night long, right? Or... Uh, he made out with this chick that that's like the hottest chick in school be, when they were at camp, summer camp or something, right? Or he got a fucking blow a hand job from her, and they'll even go into reenactments, like computerized reenactments of the hand job scene, and and things like that on 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 the show, and it and it's all done in a professional fucking manner, and it just it's it's, it's the whole the whole thing is deadpan, and that's what's great about it. And so there are some twists in the story. You know, there's all these obvious directions you think it's going to go. And then, and then, you know, then there's the, it's pretty almost like a Scooby-Doo ending, you know, where it's like, oh, that person fucking did it. Or you think that they did it. Like you never actually were going to walk away from this knowing exactly who did it, but you're like 95% sure you know who did it, right? Because of certain things that show up right at the end. But yeah, it is, it's just funny. It's funny to fucking watch. Every episode is between... Every episode's about a half hour long. So uh, after eight episodes, you know, it runs its, its course for as long as it needs to. And there's there's actually a morality tale to this thing as well. And But by the time it's done, you haven't wasted a lot of time. And you and I was entertained. I definitely was entertained with it because there was – I'd say uh, – bless you. Um, I would say for at least half of it, I was fucking stoned. So that made it more intriguing. Holy fuck, I was so compelled watching this shit just like – Oh yeah, all right. No way, right? So anyway, 
American Vandal is very entertaining to watch, and I highly recommend it if you like true crime documentaries and stuff. This this one hits the hits the uh, proverbial nail on the head. Ninety seven percent Rotten Tomatoes rating for this movie for the show. There's another one. There's something that is getting a hundred percent. Oh, Black Lightning. Black mm-hmm. Lightning debuted today, um, and it's certified one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now. It's on CW. Yeah. <laughs> God, they're already doing like five different superhero shows, man. I... Yeah, but still, um, I wanted to mention something else as well before I go into my review. There's a um, there's an artist called David Lemaire, and I'm going to bring him up here. David Lemaire? No. David. David Lemaire. David Lemaire. Meld. No, he's a San Francisco artist. He's not... David Lapu. And he uh, he worked... Uh, he's a visual development artist on Star Wars The Clone Wars. But if you go to his Facebook page... Not even that. You can go to Animation Station. Look at this. I, um, I came across this today uh, on my Facebook feed. This guy is truly amazing. Um... These are the ones that I was looking at. Tales from the Forbidden Land, The, the Dark Forbidden Side of the Moon. Land. Stop with your French accent. <laughs> Three hours later. Um, trying to find his... Uh, Go to photos. Yeah, I was doing that. You're at home. Go to photos. I don't I don't deal with the links on the side. So, uh, you know, Jesus... There's a picture of, you know, Jesus traveling uh, before he's born. So, Mary and Joseph. Uh, there's this. That's a... There we go. Star Wars Commander. Um, but these are all paintings. Super Lucky's Tale. Look at that. Just, I love the, the vibrant colors he uses. You know, these these purples and blues, these light blues with green and, and the light coming through and the and how and how he does it with the if you look at the sky, then you look at the ground. Okay, so you see the purples and the blues and the whites in the sky, and it kind of lightens the painting up right there in your your visual perspective. When you're looking at this, you're focused on the act, the, this robot-looking thing. Maybe it's probably not really robot. It's it's more of a, a stone giant type of thing. And then the fox and the bell. It's it's amazing. Isn't it sad that the, in this world that someone this talented? Has something that gets only like ten likes on a Facebook page. No, and yet there's people with no talent whatsoever that get fucking millions and millions of of likes. No, you know why? Because he works for Lucasfilm. Who gives a fuck, dude? I mean, uh, this is not directed at you, but who gives a fuck about Facebook and Facebook likes? That's just what I mean. It's amazing that it doesn't matter. It's, it's not. Like, it's not real. It's not important. That shit's not important. That's that's what I've been screaming about for for years. Especially when it comes to our podcast and whatever else, I don't give a fuck about Facebook likes. I don't, I don't give a fuck about social media. I stopped caring because it's not real. This doesn't translate into anything other than whoopee. Some people like it. I'm more interested in actual real stats. Who listens to the show? And right now we're sitting at almost two thousand listens for the show this month. And you know, and then I, I went, and I went, I went and looked at Sirius XM's downloads on sound on soundcloud do you know what they're averaging per show for the serious xm show on on soundcloud take a wild guess 1.5 million 50 per show sometimes they'll go up to a thousand or whatever they're not hitting a hundred thousand or fifty thousand or a million it's between 25 and 100 per show that's not a lot so if serious xm is is having problems then then the way it's going is that you have to have good content you have to have good stuff but again, I, this stuff is not important because when you're the, the, the pictures that you're looking at right now, Super Lucky's Tail that we're looking at from Playful, millions of people have seen this. Millions. Because it's on box art. And you're giving me this look like you don't believe me. No, no. I'm giving you this look because I make, a, so I pretty much state something that's actually a compliment <laughs> towards this, because you like this guy and you like his work. Yeah. And... <laughs> I, I don't know. You just it, it still turns into a like, why did I even bring it up kind of thing. Well, no, I mean, but you, you didn't. You it didn't sound like a compliment. You didn't bring it up as a compliment. You said well, that, you know, he, he's I'm, only getting I'm this trying, on Facebook. Yeah, I'm trying to make a statement saying that's how fucked up our everything is, and the faith that people have in all this stuff is that someone this fucking talented gets only that much recognition but, on the social the media point platform. I'm trying to make. 
and 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 yet, but someone gets all this bullshit. It's like it doesn't. But that that's that's the point I'm trying to make, Joe. Everybody focuses on likes instead of what they like. He isn't he isn't posting this stuff on Facebook because he wants people to. I mean, I mean he probably does, but he doesn't. He's not posting this stuff on Facebook because the average person is going to find him, and all of a sudden he's going to blow up on Facebook. He he's he's already a professional artist. He's posting this stuff because he can. And he just wants people to see his stuff. It's it doesn't change what he does already. I didn't say it does. I'm just I'm just making a statement. I'm not about saying that you said it does. People in general, like it's just amazing that the things that people pay more attention to than than other things. It's that, but do you remember watching that thing on Facebook last week about Facebook last week? Yeah. Okay. And what was the thing that you took away from that? That. Uh, it's made to your. It's designed to make you rely on it and 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 validate yourself and 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 to get a good uh, high out of getting likes and shit like that and all that stuff. It, it's like a trap. Correct. He's using it for the correct purposes, which is nobody gives a shit about the Facebook page because nobody's going to see it because it's my pa- Facebook page that I post my stuff to, and if you want to find it, you'll find it. You know, but I'm not interested in. I'm not interested in he doesn't promote it. Yeah. I don't ever see him. Somebody else promoted this. That's that's what's great about this. And then we get stuff like Looper that shows up on the feeds, you know, always. So, liked page Looper, you know. That's a paid advertisement because they're going to do that. You know, um Facebook has announced major changes to the news feed coming in the next few weeks. From the sound of things, posts from pages are going to be largely removed and you'll be seeing more posts from friends and family, which is fine. But if if we're, you're going to do this, like the Star Wars edit droid, this is how you get around that. Allow us to become friends personally on Facebook so I'll see your feed. Any business that's out there that I'm personally involved with, Brian Rude, he's the, he's the artist for Star Wars that I made fun of about the bad Deadpool picture, which I think he did on purpose now. Mm-hmm. I love reading through Brian Brian stuff and he he will show up because he's part of my friends and family thing. Okay? <laughs> um Larry Elmore who's another artist. So you'll you, you'll so you'll probably see less Star Wars edit droid. Do you know why I share on my personal page this stuff? Because I want my friends and family to see it. Yeah. That's how you get around it. Not everybody sees it, but everybody knows that it's available. Everybody knows that we do a podcast or we do a movie review and things like that. <laughs> so for businesses, especially businesses that in 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 like in terms of I fucking love science or Star Wars edit droid, if you have a personal web page and you want to continue to share the stuff with people, then maybe you should let them follow your personal page so that you can share this stuff to those people. That's how that's going to work. Because I don't. Facebook continually changes things, and all I want them to do is allow me to see my favorites on my page. I don't want to see <laughs> Fiverr. I get this is this is the next ad. Yeah. Now now we're on Fiverr. We went from Looper to Fiverr. Okay, you know. Do you need a logo? Nope. I don't need a logo because I can make my own. Yeah, they make a fucking advertisement look like a post. Yeah. And then they're going to change it, so we're going to be seeing more of these. But then when you like the page, you're not going to see it in your fucking feed anyways because it's it's just dumb. Just like with YouTube, man. They uh, they make uh, certain certain things on YouTube look like a, you know that they're an actual post and they're not. They're it's a fucking ad. Yeah. Like, I don't think I'm like Vulture. Yeah, maybe. No, that's a paid advertisement. Um, there's Jason's. Uh, this is funny. Yeah. I love good. that. After a long day of voiceover writing. I love playing with this dog. It's like, <laughs> I want to, uh, you know, I come home and I pet my dog. You see, pet- <laughs> and he's not doing anything to antagonize the dog. Yeah. And the, I think the dog. I know because I'm looking that. at his hand to see if he's like pinching it or anything like that. Yeah, he's, he's not, not doing anything. He's just. <laughs> it's just hilarious. That is one of my favorite fucking. <laughs> My dog is like that, but not as extreme. Yeah, but yeah, she'll she'll do that where she growls like like she wants to fucking murder you, and then she she she'll gnaw on you a little bit, but not nowhere near that extreme. Yeah. Okay. Here's another one. Discover sci-fi. Um, 
I'm just trying to, we've already gotten three and I've only gone through like a handful of posts, honestly. Um, that's a cool picture. Hanging out at Eric Idle's flat. <laughs> Him and Harrison, uh, Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford are hanging out at Eric Idle's place. That's cool. James Gunn, Damon, Billy. And I know that we're going to get another fucking, <coughs> there it is, <coughs> yeah. Apple Face ID. So there's our fourth one. Okay. <laughs> Woo! God, that rap is funny for a minute, but it goes on for way too fucking long. <laughs> Alcohol, what is an extreme sport? Nav, driving before your windshield defrosts when you're late. Yeah. Fuck yeah. That is an extreme I sport. do that a lot. Uh, living with psoriasis, because I have psoriasis. That's a sponsored message. Um, and I'm fine with that, because... It's actually, relatable. Yeah, that's absolutely relatable. Um, but all these when it's gone viral, like Boston Barstool Sports, I'm fine with. Uh, but there's Ancestry. That's a sponsored message. Um, but it's that's okay because it's actually relatable. Holy fuck, I do that shit. Um, Cinema Insiders. I don't know if I'm up, but whatever. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, here it is. Movies Anywhere. Okay. Your movies together at last. Who cares? I don't need that. Love my muscle cars. Um, but you know, this. Okay, we get it. You, you hate fucking Trump. <coughs> <coughs> the Bruce Lee lightsaber. This doesn't make any sense because he's using nunchucks with a lightsaber, but he's grabbing the nunchucks. Because he's Bruce Lee. And it, it's just, it's it's an awful video because it's cool, but see right there? it You know, it actually went through his arm, but whatever. <laughs> But that's cool, uh, you know, when he's hitting the, you know, the sword against yeah. the nunchucks and whatever else. That's fine. But G.I. <laughs> Joe. And then here we go. Uh, Moo.com. Moo. All these things. All of these things that are unnecessary in my feed aren't going to go away. Yeah. But the ones that I have in my feed, like Ralph the Rex, um, uh, Black Widow versus Red Sparrow. Here it is. Uh, Sean Vanderloo. Um, promote your podcast. The ones that I'm actually part of, those those are the possibility of those going away. So I can see friends and family because their businesses doesn't make any sense. I just if if I like it, just put it on my goddamn feed. It my choice, not yours. My choice. Mm-hmm. But nobody wants to do that. No, nobody wants to tell Facebook, hey. If you're going to do this, why can't you just put my feed the way it is so that whoever sends the next update, it goes right there? But no. So that social network shit is just out the fucking window with me. I'm tired of it. it it's just always, it's it's never going to be what you want it to be. And then you have a hundred million of them and nobody cares. And uh, yeah. Anyways, enough of my rant. It wasn't a rap, Mike. You were just Rambotown. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. All righty. Are you ready? I don't know. Are, am I ready? Can I handle it? Say that's a nice boulder. <laughs> um, let's do this. Top men. All of the races are nope. different. Nope. Our nope. nation's first Orcish nope. police officer. Nope. Ooh. Mm-hmm. For nearly 3,000 years, man has searched for the lost Ark of the Covenant. The Bible speaks of the Ark leveling mountains and laying waste to entire regions. Not something to be taken lightly. No one knows its secrets. Jones, do you realize what the Ark is? It's a transmitter. It's a radio for speaking to God. Who's in half which carries the ark before it is invincible. The ark, if it is there, Atanis, then it is something that man was not meant to disturb. It is protected by forces beyond imagination. It is desired above all treasures on earth by those who are good, trust me, and those evil. I'll tell you everything. Yes, I know you will. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Let her go. 
still want the Ark. It has been loaded onto a truck for Cairo. Raiders of the Lost Ark. A film from Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. dumb they think us as movie <laughs> moviegoers are no that they have on everything you buy now for Raiders of the Lost Ark it ne- it's never called Raiders of the Lost Ark anymore it's always called Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark that's because George Lucas wanted it that way he didn't know that you know like there's certain movies where they'll they'll, they'll okay Kong Skull Island when it originally was going to be called Skull Island but they they added the Kong because they didn't want to confuse moviegoers Right, because they think we're all fucking morons. That's what I'm talking. I'm going with. I know, but Lucas changed it when he right before he released uh, Crystal Skull, the Crystal Skull, because the brand is Indiana Jones, <clears throat> and a lot of people didn't like it mm-hmm. because it was Raiders of the Lost Ark. But the second one was like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah, and Indiana Jones. And that was only four years later, right? So yeah, yeah, a couple of years later. But they um, made it. And then Indiana Jones, you know, and the Last Crusade. So there's a theme there, and so they changed it to Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark because it fits with the branding of of everything that they wanted, and he wanted it consistent, like Star Wars. That's why they changed it, not because we're stupid. It was George Lucas's idea to do that, and people were fucking up in arms about it. I I kind of was I wasn't really happy with it, but <coughs> it's not my movie. Yeah, I mean, it's still called Raiders of the Lost Ark, so I yeah. Mean. So, yeah, and it's not that big of a deal. Now, if he had changed it to Indiana Jones and the Lost Ark, that would have fucking been annoying. Yeah, he wasn't going to do that because it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. And he wanted to keep that whole idea of these 40s-style movies, um, these these serial movies. That trailer, um, it almost felt like I was watching a different movie, the way that they did it. They designed yeah. it. Yeah, and and that trailer is the original... Uh, theatrical trailer. It was just HD. It's well done. Yeah. Um, Most trailers are fucking cheesy and corny from the time period, but that was good. It's got it's got a ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Should be more. Should be fucking. That this should be one of those rare hundreds. Yeah. This is a movie that um, captures, uh, encapsulates. It's. I I put this I put this movie on. I, I actually have it on my phone, so I can mm-hmm. watch it. Yeah. I love this movie so much. I actually like this movie more than I like Empire Strikes Back. I was 80s nostalgia comforted while we were watching the trailer. Like the first part where it's showing Indy on the on the hill while all the guys are digging. Uh-huh. And you see the sun in the background. And it's, you know, that right there. I was already like fucking, oh. <laughs> and um, so I had it on this weekend. And I was setting up a new sound system and whatever else. And there's there's particular scenes that, I mean, I will literally, like, if it's on TV, I will literally watch it. I don't give a fuck if there's commercials or whatever because of the um, the bar fight. Okay. Okay. And I will Whiskey. I will fucking crank it <laughs> because the, the bar fight is one of the best filmed yeah. sequences ever. Your, your, your fire is dying. Yes, <laughs> I know. Shoot them. Shoot them both. Shoot them both. Dude, to this day, I kid you not, that fucking guy always looked Asian to me. He still to this day looks Asian to me. He's not. And my mom's like, he's not fucking Asian. And I'm like, I don't care. He looks fucking Asian. I don't give a fuck if he, he could be full on 100% pure race fucking Aryan German. It doesn't matter. He looks fucking Asian to me in this movie. And his voice too. Yothaya is dying. It's just, yeah. (laughs) Seen this movie since I was a fucking kid too, man. I I know. Uh, that's what, you know, look, usually I just get pissed off at you and say, I'm fucking trying to do a review, but <laughs> I know you're excited about this one. Um, it's, it's, it's classic. It's classic. I, so I was watching it today, and if you, as you watch the movie and it opens up with him in Peru, and then it moves to him in, um, they never specifically stay, say where his college is, 
<clears throat> but when he leaves, when he gets on that plane, he's in San Francisco, and he flies from San Francisco to Shanghai to to wherever, right? And I've always thought that he was a professor of archaeology at San Francisco State University or mm-hmm. something along those lines. I always pictured his East Coast because everything's fucking East Coast, but yeah. He can't be East Coast because he left from San Francisco. He literally left from, he got on a plane and fucking left from San Francisco. However, um, in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, he was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And in um, The Last Crusade, it was Utah. Yeah. So, who knows? I'm I'm going with the idea that he he was in San, he he ha, he was in San Francisco, okay, the beginning, and the when he was in Utah, when he went to his dad's house, yeah. <coughs> um, he he drove from San Francisco to Utah, or took a train. And then when he went to Kingdom, when it came to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, uh-huh. he was he decided to go to Chicago because that's where Rab- Abner Ravenwood taught. Yeah, and that's what he wanted to do. So he wanted to become a professor at the at Chicago University or University of Chicago, yeah. just like Abner Ravenwood. Well, I think that um, I think the Utah thing was just from when they were younger. I think they moved around a lot. So no, because when he went to his dad's house, it was the same exact house. I don't recall it being the same house at all. The same exact house. Well, then I'm, I'm thrown off because I remember the house in the beginning is in the middle of fucking almost nowhere, practically. And then this house was like like Davis looking, you know, like we're it's college town, right? And there's, you know, the the way the, all yeah. the houses and shit look. It, 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 it's possible, but again, 30 years have passed. I know. I, I know. Could, I know. All this stuff could have grown up around them and all this stuff. But I don't know. Maybe so the same time that they, you know, maybe they just had it cut to, you know, him being in another fucking state. I don't know. Yeah, or he could have moved closer to Indy, so... Regardless, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, we love the fucking movies. There we go. Yeah, there's it's not really a plot hole. So as I'm watching the movie and um, Marcus Brody comes in and he starts talking to Indy, and the way that they dialogue um, is perfect because yeah. you know it's natural. Larry Kazan is a master at doing dialogue, mm-hmm. and and Indy wants Indy wants to go after the. Uh, the fertility idol, because Belloc has it. <laughs> yeah, Hakuna Matata. Patalo. <laughs> yeah. Yes. If only you spoke Helvito. <laughs> Jock, start the engine, Jock. Yes, we are very comfortable up here. <laughs> Get her up. She's fucking running. So they, they call him Baloche. Yeah. <laughs> Belloc. Belloc. So um. Bad dates. He, <laughs> yeah, he, um, Brody and Indy are talking after class and whatever else, and the kid puts the apple on there, and you see his hand come down because it looks like they had rehearsed it a couple of times, and the, and the apple had fallen off, so yeah. he was expecting it to fall, but it didn't come out. His hand didn't automatically do that. It was natural. He saw the apple do that. He's like, it's gonna fall again, so I'm gonna grab it, and he picks it up, and as he's talking with Indy. The whole thing is, you know, uh, you'll never guess. Who, Belloc? Yeah. So I've got some nice pieces, you know, and this these pieces, like Indy's like defending himself. I got some really nice pieces, you know, they're worth at least a ticket to Marrakesh, right? Yeah. So, you know, he goes, I, I, I know that you do everything, you know, within the confines of, you know, the the Museum of Archaeology or, you know. the Antiquities. Yeah. And, um Belloc's looking at us, oh, yes, these are very nice pieces. Like, it's, again, it's natural dialogue. You and call him Belloc. I'm uh, Marcus Brody. Yeah. Um, so Brody Brody says, yes, these are very nice pieces, but, you know, there's some people here to see you. And he had mentioned that at, right at the beginning of the whole conversation, and then the whole conversation happens, again, natural. You know, there's, there's some people here to see you. <coughs> and then he's like, hey, Belloc. And then, and then Brody goes back in and says... But there are some people here to see you, and then Indy picks up on it, like, what people? What, am I in trouble? Yeah. You know? And then he's like, and and Brody's like, you know, I don't know what they're doing here. This is the U.S. Army intelligence. Talk- what the hell do they yeah. want? <laughs> you know? So they go, and as they're talking, and this is the interesting part right here. As they're talking, <coughs> they detailed the entire fucking movie within these five minutes. Okay? 
exactly what was going to happen for the entire movie. And this is what makes this genius. Indy walks in and Professor Jones, Indiana, you know, um, I don't think they call him Indy. I think they call him Professor Jones. Yeah. Doctor, some people call him doctor. Sorry, some yeah. Call him- Dr. Jones, professor of archaeology, blah, blah, blah. You studied yeah. under Abner Ravenwood at, uh, uh, at the University of Chicago. <laughs> Indiana Jones comes in, all right? Um, and they they do the intro, which is um, uh, something of great antiquities, right? They, they, basically, they basically did this. They took the entire movie and compressed it into this whole entire dialogue, which is <coughs> including the Peru stuff, okay? Finder of antiquities. Professor, or Dr. Jones, professor of archaeology. That's the second, that, that's from the stinger right into the second part, okay? Where, he already, where we already established that he was a professor. Mm. <coughs> then Abner Ravenwood gives background. Then... They go into the whole Ark of the Covenant, okay? But the way that they set it up is because Peru, college, Abner Ravenwood, because mm-hmm. he's going to see Marion. Yeah. Then he's going to fly to Tunisia to get the Ark of the Covenant and then come home, okay? Yeah. Before, before the Nazis <laughs> get to it. <coughs> Hitler's a nut, uh, nut on the subject. Everything, if you go and watch this movie, the entire movie is laid out, even the part that you'd already seen, the entire movie is laid out for you right there. And what's even better about it is they go into fucking detail about what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. The Nazis have found the, the resting place, the final resting place yeah, the, of the Ark of the, the Covenant. Well of Souls. No, <clears throat> not the Well. Chamber of Souls. It's a Well of Souls. But, you know, they even tell what happened to the city and where to find the Ark and how he's going to do it. You know, well, you get a, you get a, you know, you get the, the staff of the staff. I don't know Raw. how tall it is, but it's the uh, the eyepiece of raw. And then you put this eyepiece. And he goes, well, what do you do with it? Well, you can get a map room. And you put the stick in this in a certain spot at a certain time, mm-hmm. and then the sun shines through and it hits this and it hits the medallion. It's and then goes, well, what's this medallion? Well, it's it's just a circular thing with a jewel in the center, kind of offset. <laughs> Anyways, you put it on the staff. And then the sun shines down into the map room and sets a beam and gives you the exact location of the Well of Souls. But he says it. He goes, it's a staff. It's about this high. No one really knows how tall it is because it's written on the medallion in and of itself. Yeah. You know? And then they they both, the two army guys kind of look at each other as he's doing this whole professor thing, right? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and he's he's already pulled them in. Yeah, yeah like, oh, well, it looks like we got the right guy. Yeah, but I mean, they they're sitting there like you know, they're like kids. Yeah, completely unwrapped. Yeah, you know, haven't you ever guys been to Sunday school? Yeah, you know, if you believe in that sort of thing. <laughs> well, what does the ark look like? Well, here I got a picture right here, and it shows two men mm-hmm. carrying the ark, and the ark shooting fire or wrath of God stuff into these people that are dying. Yeah. Which is the end of the movie. And that ends the whole discussion, right? Mm-hmm. Fire, wrath of God. Who knows? Power of God. Yeah, power of God. If you believe in that sort of thing. <laughs> who knows? But the two men that are holding it, that are on either side, who are they? Sit German. No. One is Tote. The other one is the German guy because Belloc was in the middle. So the two people that are holding it are the German guys, right? And even then, if you look at the picture and as they're holding the Ark, those guys are are in pain, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've watched this movie a thousand times if I've seen it once. Mm -hmm. And it never occurred to me that that the entire fucking movie is right there. You could just stop the movie right there. Because they just told you the whole. They thing. just told you the whole story and how it's going to go down. Mm-hmm. Even with the picture of the, of the fucking, you know, don't look they, at the ghosts. You, you know what? If you go back to the scene in the Last Crusade, when Donovan's explaining the every, when they're talking about the shield, right? And that the whole movie's explained there too. Uh, Indiana Jones uh, book. Let's just go with that. <laughs> 
Images. Did Kazden write um, Last Crusade as well? I don't think so. There it is. Okay, so oh, there is three people there. Okay, there, I thought there was two. So if you look at this picture, I'm looking at the, the image. It's uh, from uh, God, God from the Machine. <laughs> and, the, and this image was actually drawn by Ralph McQuarrie. And then you see the arc, and you see three people, okay? You, then, so this is an absolute representation of you see the army soldiers, and you see all the people. These, these are all the army soldiers. So you see all these army soldiers mm-hmm. dying, right? The Nazis. In this, they're, they're standing on a, uh, um, what do you want to call it, a rise? Yeah. So the, the three people that are holding the ark are standing on a rise, okay? An elevated position. <laughs> Surrounded by mountains, okay? This is the entire end sequence right here. Mm-hmm. Just, and, and the, the ark is shooting out these beams of, you know, wrath of God stuff or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, you have three people surrounding that are standing here next to the ark. Okay, and what's amazing about that is we've seen this movie a billion times, and up until and and, and I've never read anybody saying this sort of thing. Right? <laughs> I've never I've never heard anybody. Actually, there's four four figures that are holding it, so that's okay. It's not that big of a deal, but. You see, you, when you're looking at the book, you only see three figures. Mm. <laughs> now, you don't you don't um, see a lot of people talking about this, like you know, like in the Last Jedi. One of the guys is holding you know, when when they're on a is it Canto Bite, something like that. They're, yeah. When they're on the Casino World, yeah, right. Um, the police officers are all holding Boba Fett's blaster from Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Well, not all of them, but a good majority of them are holding those guns. The same style, same same exact type of rifle yeah. with the eyesight on top of it and everything else. The uh, <laughs> Mandalorian weapons, right? Um, not necessarily, but they could be, yes. And they're just, um, they're, there's an actual uh, name for them. It's, I know, I'll look it up later. It's not that big of a deal. But when, you, when you're looking at Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's, it's amazing how... That throwaway scene, because it's a throwaway scene, is detailing everything that you're going to watch. And then the next, yeah. And then the next thing, there it is. Fucking Lego everything, man. Yeah. It doesn't Lego everything except porno. uh, (laughs) And so the next thing is them, Indy going to uh, Nepal and showing up at uh, Peril at Delphi's. So he can get the the medallion so he can continue on to Cairo. And then that's where everything is, gets really cool because, again, he gets into this fight with Tote, but he still doesn't, he doesn't, it isn't like they have a dialogue. He's like, you know, um, let her go. Yeah. That's what he says. Let her go. And then it starts a whole fight. There is no, he's, you know, Tote's the bad guy and then you got to have this, this fucking silly dialogue or, you know, uh, Indiana Jones. <laughs> I don't like you, Indiana Jones. You know, but he, when when Tote comes in, he's like, <laughs> she. Uh, he goes, uh, I I hope Doctor Jones hasn't already acquired the piece. And then she Pretty goes, sick. yeah. So yeah. And then she says something along the lines, and yeah. Um, Air Mac. No, no, no. She she says something to him, and he goes, the man is uh, nefarious. <laughs> <laughs> so he knows who Jones is, right? Yeah. And then. And and so he's got this reputation, but there is no, there, it isn't this fucking monologuing bad guy that you know when he's when he's in the fight because he loses his hat too and you can see his bald spot. Yeah. When he's in the fight, he's not you know yelling and screaming and going, "I'll get you again, Doctor Jones." <laughs> and he does a snidely whiplash, <laughs> yeah. right? It's all very well done. Where he's he's when he's in the fight, he's out for himself. Yeah. You know, and he's hiding, and he's like, kills them, kills them both, yeah, shoots or shoots them, them, shoots them both. You know, and then, and and then you don't have dialogue between the henchmen that he had already hired, yeah, because they're just doing their job. You don't have them going, oh, Indiana Jones, oh, oh. they're red shirts, man. Yeah, and there's no talk. He's and and Jones isn't doing stupid dialogue back and forth like they do in movies nowadays. Yeah. You know, where they, they meet the bad guy and then they got to have fucking quips and Spider-Man it up, right? Like popcorn? <laughs> yeah, popcorn. 
So, um, I'll be blowing my fucking hat off when I can. Yeah, but see, even that fight was fine because that's it that worked, was if it, it fit with the the vibe of the movie. Yeah, you you have to have those types of things because Dan Aykroyd's character is this this <laughs> fucking whacked out no um, meetings, no meetings, ADD lunatic, right? Yeah. So, but in this movie, it's just it's all action, you know. And and then of course you know he's he's being manhandled and thrown against the bar and he's like whiskey, mm-hmm. you know, and then cracks it. But that's you don't really hear much in terms of uh, of of dialogue other than those few things. And then Tote, who who again is out for himself, doesn't care about what really happens. The fucking the entire place is burning down. Yeah. And he sees the medallion. He grabs the medallion and it burns into his hand. Right. Yeah. And then he. He runs outside. Cool. He's <laughs> he's very loyal to Zafira. Yeah. So he's not able to pick it up. And then, of course, Andy wins the day. Marion helps. You know, I'm your goddamn partner. And then they move on to Cairo. Yeah. You know, where did this monkey come from? I, I got to admit, my favorite part of that whole scene is the drinking right before it. <sighs> with the big guy and Marion. I told you that there's a person... Okay, I wanted to mention this. So love the look on the guy's face when he passes out. I I work at Walmart and my and I've made it my job to find as many doubles of people as possible. Yeah. <laughs> because I I believe in the everybody on the planet. That's cool. Just fucking throw your phone right bad. on the. You're just bad at this because you just leave your phone there and then it fucking buzzes. So <laughs> while we're talking, it just goes on the chair. Off the table, on the chair. Good boy. So, <laughs> row, row. so when, um, yeah, when um, when when I'm working at Walmart, I've I've made it a game to find as many doubles of people as I possibly can because <laughs> there's a theory running around that there's a there's a twin for every person out there. Yeah. So far, I've met um, a doppelganger, uh, like a Michael McDonald. We've already found your twin, but he passed away, Ralphie May. Um, Tell you what, Jack. My twin, I've been told I look like John Cusack, but who knows. Um, I haven't seen the Harrison Ford twin yet, but everybody I see, I'll, uh, I just I kind of ID. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, he looks like a taller, dumber version of this character or this guy. <laughs> um, right. Anyways, uh, but there's a, there's, a, there's a guy that does uh, NFL radio. Uh, Pat Kerwin, mm-hmm. and he looks like uh, the guy that played Jaws in Moonraker, Richard Kind. Not Richard Kind. Um, damn it. It doesn't matter. It's not that important. <laughs> I don't, I don't we know it. who the actor is. Is he a dick or is he kind? I mean, it's like an oxymoron. Richard Kind is George Clooney's best friend. Hmm. I you look at me like I don't know what the fuck I'm talking or you don't know who I'm talking about. No. You know exactly who I'm talking about. He's got that he- big mouth and he's loud voice. No. He did the voice for the brother... Grasshopper in he was on Spin City. Yeah, yeah that's, that's Richard Kind. Yeah, he was on Spin City. He did the voice for the brother, um, the brother of Sp- Kevin Spacey's Grasshopper right. in um, Bugs Life. Yeah, uh, Jaws. He's a heck of a motivational speaker. He also did a voice in Cars. That's him. That's uh, Richard Keel. Richard Keel actually uh, lived down the street from um, Shelley, my ex-wife. So you would see him once in a while. Hey, happy Gilmore. Yeah, so, um, and... Shoot him with Gavin. And there's Pat. No, Pat Kerwin looks a little bit more like, um, oh, what's his name? Come on, brain. He looks a little bit like Michael Hansacker. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the actor that played Michael Hansacker. Yeah. Is it Scott Atkins or Josh Atkins or... Is it Mike Atkins? I fucking can't remember. Hansacker. Yeah, looks like Michael Hansacker. Um, um, come on, bro. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, 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 no. <laughs> Just who played Michael Hunsacker? Lethal Weapon. <laughs> All the details. Tom Atkins. I was right. I was close. I said Atkins. Yeah. I think he actually said Tom Atkins. Anyways, um, yeah, so there are doppelgangers of people that are out there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so he does look like. I mean, they look. Pat Kerwin looks like that very close. Heroin, Roger. I, I I know you're a fucking police officer. Just kill them. Just kill them. 
Another great movie. So they get to Cairo and they meet Sala. Yeah. Again, it's very natural. It is. You know, better than the U.S. Marines. I wa- dude, I wanted to go visit Sala and his family. Like, give me a trip to Cairo. I, I want to see Sala and family. And then, you know, and then it goes on. They, and he and Sala helps Indy find the Ark, you know. Asps. Very dangerous. <laughs> you go first. I told you it would be all right. Yeah. <laughs> and then fucking Indy looks at him. <laughs> Snakes. <laughs> Why did it have to be snakes? And then uh, the music, so good. Yeah. You know, it's John Williams, but playful. still. I, it has this playful tone to it. It knows when to be serious and when it knows when to play. Yeah, so when, you, when, when you're watching Indy in the Well of Souls after they stole the ark back from Indy, and he climbs up the statue, and you hear that the, as he's climbing up, you hear the uh, dun, 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 you know that 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 beat, yeah. right? And <laughs> it's the same one that when he was on the horse in in the Last Crusade, uh-huh. and it's the same one that when he was chasing them on the horse in 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 Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know. And you have that 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 marching beat that dun, dun, yeah, like dun, it, dun. it's like shit's about to get handled right now. Yeah, and it's it, it, it the way that it's all done. Is 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 there we go. Sure there's really no YouTube revved um, standard YouTube license. He, he this dude doesn't even have a license, he's just posting this shit and it's not that one. I'm about to sneeze. Can you grab me a napkin over there? Here it is. Indy Rise the Statue. That's what it's called. This one right here. And as he's climbing up, the music literally stops because there's a snake. Yeah. Like like the music is, is Indiana Jones, and it just stops right there. Snake. And it falls. And then he drops the torch. See? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love you know, this, it reminds man. me of like the the tank chasing scene in Last Crusade where the music stops when he stops for a second on a horse. Yeah. And all of a sudden he starts going towards to save his dad, right? Yeah, now he's he's up and he's he's crawling and he's getting into into I love this music. I don't want to play too much of it. <laughs> and here's here's the desert chase right here. Yep. It's the, and it's the same exact music. It's the same exact um See? <laughs> oh, come on. The greatest friendship that ever was, wasn't. You know what's cool is that the movie's also able to introduce other characters and just have them come and go very quickly, but they still make an impact. Yeah. Like uh, Mr. Katenga. You know? Indiana Jones, you look exactly like I pictured you. And then he starts laughing. Yeah. Gum, <laughs> gum. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then you have, then they're running. That's when they're running from, from yeah. the, the explosion. Yeah. <coughs> but the desert chase. There yeah. it is right here. So this is he he's on the horseback about this. This is about the time that he so he's chasing him on the horse right here. Yeah. You know, and he's running through the crowd at this point cuz you cuz you could see the cars going off and then now he's up on the on the rise and as the cars are driving he's he's got the horse. Yeah. And He's, he's following. But this is more of the trucks and the car. The, the camera's focused on the trucks and the car, right? So it's got that got that march, that that military-style march to it, yeah. right? And then it, it'll stop because Indy's now on the rise. And it's, that, it's, it's a sped-up version of climbing. The client, you know, him riding the uh, statue. 
So, and that's what makes this soundtrack so great. I could totally picture my head just being there in the in the studio when you know in the, in the huge orchestral recording studio where they they got this movie playing on a big screen, and you got John Williams just maestroing it right in front of all those people. And they're not in suits or anything because they're not performing in front of an audience. They're just in their casual clothes and shit, and just just practicing it out in front of uh, in front of the screen. Yeah, and it's amazing that they can do this. I mean, they do it right in front of the screen as each each one goes by. I've I've seen I've I've heard of times where there's been composers that have actually created an entire score before even seeing the movie at all. Uh, most of them don't do it that I know, way. I know, most part, but it's it's still fascinating, especially when you hear about hear that and the, and the score really worked with the movie. You're like, what the fuck? This is this is awesome. Well, sometimes they like um, they go off the script or whatever. Yeah, but you really can't do it that way. Uh... <laughs> the, the second search for John Williams is is the man. Yeah. Um, it's amazing watching him work. He's my grandmother's age, and he's still just fucking destroying. Yeah, and he's also he's going to be doing uh, the score for episode nine. Yeah, and he actually did. He wrote um, Han Solo's theme for the new movie. This this generally active music. So that's him writing right there. He is one of the most brilliant composers of our time. Yeah. So that it's a tremendous physical job of. Think about that. I think, like, look, look, he's he's the most highly regarded music um, film composer. But think about even more how highly regarded his stuff would be if there wasn't all this other stuff that you had to listen to as well, right? From the same time period, you know, like pop music and rock music and all this other stuff. Star Wars film. The music spotting session involves, besides John Williams, the producer Gary Kurtz. Director, uh, I want to get to the orchestral part where there it is right there. Yep. Now here it is with the orchestral recording mixed into the sound. So he's already written all the stuff. The flashing dots and the lines on the projection screen are a visual guide for the conductor. Isn't that amazing? With the yeah. music flashing score. dots. And they just play it right there with the movie. Didn't even have to. We didn't even have to talk about this. We could just let it fucking play out. You could have just said I know, but you didn't do it. Didn't even have to explain the fucking scene. That's truly amazing, you know. And we just watched the behind the scenes of him doing the, you know, the the "I love you" scene from Empire, and you can see lines going across the screen, you know, um, which dictates bar length, and then you see the little flashes of of lights that will dictate change in tempo and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And John Williams is watching this movie while he's conducting, yeah, and he had already written all the music and everything else. That's that's it, it. I don't know about you. Okay, I play music. When I'm playing, I can't I can't talk and play at the same time. That's because I never learned to. It's a learned thing. Yeah, I can walk around. I can I can hear you. I can nod. You know, once in a while, I can say things, yes or no, whatever else. But if I'm playing, I'm focused on playing. Yeah, and when you have professional players. Like in an orchestra, those those guys aren't looking at the screen. Yeah. They are turned and looking They're at the maestro. Yeah, 
They're looking at the maestro and reading the sheet music at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, and they're reading ahead to make sure that they know when to hit their stuff, their yeah. marks. And again, all of this is all thrown together into a room while the fucking monitor is doing this. And I'm sure they probably can see it so that they have some idea of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But their focus is on John Williams and his movements and how everything's going because he's got to tell you when to stop. He's got to tell you when to go higher or lower. Just imagine if you're someone in that orchestra and you're a fan of the first movie, right? Yeah. And you're there doing the score for for Empire. It's like how tempting is it to fucking just keep looking at the screen, you know, as a, as, as a fan? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh. You've probably, you've probably seen the movie so many fucking times at this point because you're you're doing it section by section. Yeah. But you've already watched the movie, so you get an idea. And he's probably what he what this is what's probably has happened. So John Williams watches the movie. Okay. He and then he goes and he writes the music. Yeah. And and he watches the movie again. Mm-hmm. So he's watched the movie like a hundred times at this point. He knows it in and out. And as he's watching it, everybody else is watching it too so that they understand. And he's playing the music for them, a cappella, you know, or a single. He's just playing it on a piano or whatever, right? Yeah. So he's, as he's playing it, so he's letting them know exactly what's going on and this is how it's going to work and this is what I want to do. And as he's, he's in, in this scene, we're going here. In this scene, we're going there. We're, and he, he lays it all out. Mm-hmm. And... The, they watch each scene repeatedly. You know what you're watching right now. This behind the scenes thing. This was one. This wasn't like first take. This was probably like sixtieth take. Yeah. Because something happened. John Williams went stop. Yeah, got to redo that. Re, you know, check this out. Try this differently. Blah blah blah. Yeah. No, not at all. When you're at this point in time, nothing changes. Someone may have missed, made a mistake. You don't change it up. Mostly, you don't change it up. Yeah, highs and lows. No, he knows exactly where he's going with every one of these things. That's why this is when you're watching this and they're on the sound stage doing the recording. They're trying one take as much as possible. There is no change in in the music. That all is that's all pre-production when he's initially writing the music. Mm-hmm. So and then he'll try some stuff out and if it doesn't work, then he'll move on and do it. There are when it gets to that stage. No changes because everything has already been practiced and practiced and practiced. This is final. So, but you're right. I mean, what you had said is yes, they'll do that, but not here. It's 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 during the uh, um, what do you call it? Rehearsal. Part? Yeah, during rehearsal and stuff like that to make sure that they have everything down. Fine tuning. Yep. It's like uh, setting up the stage for uh, for a concert. Yeah. Exactly. So. When when he finally gets the orchestra together to do this, they they've already seen the fucking. Well, they call movie. it a sound check, right? Yeah, when, when you know um, they've already seen the movie probably a hundred times just to make sure that they have all their cues down one hundred percent. Yeah, and then and then the takes when they're doing the movie as they're as they're recording it, they could probably do it in one take. But there's usually it's like you get distracted, someone farts wrong, you know. Um, anything could happen. A, a string breaks. Yeah, you you you're practicing and whatever, and and then you start going. You know, you, you do your tune up or whatever. You warm up, and then as you're playing, a fucking string breaks, or the um, for the drums, the the stick breaks. You know. Yeah. There's all sorts of weirdness that happens while you're recording, and it could be the most perfect session in the world. And you go and you talk to the person that did the that did the music. Could be anybody, James Hetfield, Eddie Van Halen, yeah. Jimmy Page. And they'll tell you, as they're listening back, this happened, this happened, this happened. I've, I was playing guitar, and I turned around, and I hit Bonzo's splash when, when he was playing. And it carried over while, while, while we were doing it. Or he wasn't supposed to hit the drum at this point <clears throat> in time, but he mm-hmm. double-tapped it. And it just sounded right, so we just mm-hmm. left it in instead of doing it again for the 50th time. Yeah. Because we've played this song a hundred times, and at that one moment, something happened that made him do this. You know, or when I was playing this, something happened and it made me do this, or I fell, you know, and that's the sound that you hear of me falling, yeah. and we captured that <clears> on <throat> tape, and, and that's what happens. Okay, comparable in a kind of kind of similar way. You know, you remember the live uh, uh, MTV Unplugged version of Layla by... Uh, yeah, everyone does. Yeah, so you remember the first 
first time he does, hits the chorus and there's a guy in the audience that goes, wow, right? And yeah. it fits fucking perfectly into the whole recording session. Kind of like that, you know, like, like you know, it was totally unplanned for, I think. <laughs> but it just, it, it just worked, you know what I mean? It's not like they said, oh, fuck this guy, kick him out of the studio, let's start this over again, you know? They didn't. Well... And who knows how many times that they've played? They played that song, yeah. And then when they played it again, that guy went woo, yeah. right? You know, just for the hell of it, yeah. So I mean, that could have been like fourth take. Yeah, I mean, like I'm not a huge fan of that song, but when it comes on, that version of the song comes on. I love to listen to it just for that part where the guy goes well, where he fucking calls out in the audience, right? Yeah, I just like it. It just fits with it so perfectly, right? But uh, you know, that's that's one of those things, yeah. That you know, it's. Not, it's it's unexpected, mm-hmm. you know. Variable, <laughs> especially on a live audience. All right. So, anything else about uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark? I'm sorry, no. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. In fact, um, you know, uh, this is one of those ones that it gets, you know, 95 or 100 or whatever. It's, this it's, is your 9.5. This is this is this is the big dog in my catalog that you know, there's nothing, nothing wrong. I. Dude, I, I adios, senor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing. I you you are absolutely right. It sets everything up right. It everyone speaks the way that you know that, that fucking grabs your attention. Uh-huh. Everything happens. The action's fun. The, the sense of humor is well timed. <laughs> uh, it's captivating. You know, uh, I fuck. I, yeah, yeah. I'm I, gonna I, blow I, up the arc, Renee. Yeah, get away, get away. <laughs> Go ahead, Jones. Blow it back to God. Blow it back to God. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Kasdan is an amazing writer. Um, his son is an amazing creator too. Yeah. His especially. son fucking did Jumanji, which yeah. we're going to talk about. Yeah. All right. So, uh, all right. That's all we got for uh, this uh, week's flick of the week. Yeah. That and the interstitial about the whole YouTube or likes and <laughs> the the mer. Yes, Mariel. Yeah, Le Mariel. All right, so that's all I got. Bye. All right. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Too bad we couldn't capture that one on. On um, one of these times, I'm gonna fart right into the microphone. <laughs> I just did a Peter Griffin fart, fart man. Baby. baby. <laughs>